Sean Frankson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It is really fun that you're here. Um, like we were just chatting about a bit, bit of backstory and how important I think um, ocean cleanups, ocean conservation, and importantly, getting plastic and stopping it from going into the ocean in the first place is so important to what we do here and and kind of the philosophies that we have. And so Plastic Bank is such an incredible organization that I knew that we wanted. I wanted to share the news of what you guys do and try and connect you with as many brands as I can here in Australia. But before we get into all the mechanics of what we do, Sean, could you maybe give us a bit of a background about you as an entrepreneur, how you came to this journey and how you got started with uh, with Plastic Bank? Perfect. Yeah, in two months, it'll actually be our 10-year anniversary. So just wow. about 10 years ago, uh, David Katz and I were really looking at what our next business could be. David had founded a successful GPS tracking technology company and, you know, really on this hunt for how can we create something that can impact a billion people's lives. And then David was at Singularity University at a week-long kind of crash course on exponential breakthrough technologies. And when he was watching 3D printing work, you know, it really struck him that this plastic is garbage. It's waste. You change the shape. You 3D print it, now you have a $200 machine part. 
how can you go from garbage to something of, you know, high value? And it really had this paradigm of, you know what, if we could just change the shape of plastic, we could reveal the value in plastic. And even that day, almost 10 years ago, David phoned me, said, Sean, I think I've figured out our new business. It's called the Plastic Bank. We just stop plastic from entering the ocean. We reveal the value in plastic. I, I don't know anything else, but it feels like the right thing. And we just went full tilt from there and just started to learn. And especially with this entrepreneurial mindset, how could we not look at it as a plastic problem, but a human problem that we could create, you know, a really a gig economy of entrepreneurship around stopping ocean plastic. And that really, you know, took flight 10 years ago. Yeah, that's incredible. Because I mean, 10 years ago, I'm trying to think back 10 years ago, it seems like a million years ago, 10 years ago, but 10 years ago was kind of, I think, the height of the growth of the gig economy, was it not? Um, when it was really started, starting to kick off and, you know, like Fiverr and all these things were really starting to grow. And people were realizing that they could earn micro payments for doing things uh, in, in a very easy way. And so what, what a brilliant observation that you could bring those two things together. Yeah, no, and it really was that rise of the gig economy played a big part in some of the other ideas we're exploring, you know, incredibly inspired when we connected the dots on this. And what was even ironic 10 years ago, as you said, when we were chatting, no one knew about ocean plastic, we had to try to convince people that the world would care, we had to try to convince brands that you could ever put a purpose logo you know, there really wasn't this purpose economy back then, yeah. which really has flourished now. And it, to me, really is the new norm for entrepreneurship. You know, this, you know, I, I want to live in this world where we stop even using the world social entrepreneurship. It simply becomes a license to do business that your business has to do good or cease to exist. And I'm optimistic this is the future we're all creating. Yeah, look, and I totally agree. I think, yeah, I think even on our website, we have in the future, all businesses will be sustainable and purpose driven, because that's the nature of where everything's moving. Consumers are driving that demand, right? They're making choices with their wallets to to vote for businesses that are doing, uh, are doing tremendous things. But oh, my good, I, I, I could wax lyrical about that for a long time, because that that really that hits me to the core of who I am as an entrepreneur and what I'm trying to achieve here as well. But I don't want to take us off track from that. So let's bring it back to the plastic bank, because you have such a brilliant thing here. But but I just want to pick apart your story a little bit more, if that's okay, Sean. Like, how? What were you doing at the time when David came to you? What 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 was on your agenda at the time? Yeah, I mean, I usually like to start kind of my life story when I was when I was twenty two years old. I was playing in a rock band called Beer for Breakfast. You know, uh, really enjoying that. But then I got a near death car accident. Had really a month where I could barely move, and I started to look at what I wanted to do with my life and came to the conclusion that I wanted to be an international change the world strategist. Don't know what that means, but kind of became obsessed with, you know what, I could just create micro businesses and really learn my way to do what I want to do to, you know, be best at what I am. I actually have full sleeve tattoos with my core values to create, inspire and strategize and really looked at how I could build kind of a skill set and an entrepreneurial life around, you know, doing what I love to do, what I do best. I joined David uh, Katz with his GPS tracking company, where um, I became the vice president of that company and really kind of tried my best to automate David out of the day to day so he could be free to focus on the next big thing. And, you know, this is really where it came that when David had that idea, I think I was the first phone call of here's exactly what we're doing next. Yeah, amazing. I mean, fast forward 10 years, and you guys might be one of the most important businesses to come out of Canada, I would think in the purpose space uh, right now. So I mean, phenomenal 
success that you've been having and by the way i love the the sleeve tattoos there i mean that's that's literally talk about wearing your heart on your sleeve uh i mean <laughs> they say that but i've never seen the actual someone do it before so absolutely phenomenal um all right so let's talk about plastic bank then what do you guys actually do yeah so at plastic bank we set up these ethical traceable collection communities in coastal areas so preventing plastic from entering the ocean really the root cause of creating this entrepreneurial opportunity where we have our collection members who are registered, age verified. We bring in a digital platform that gives everyone a digital wallet, a digital ID. And this really brings transparency to plastic recycling. So we are able to register and track all the members from a collection member on the ground to one of our certified branches, to our processing partner, to the product on the shelf. And really uniquely end to end you know, no matter how long this plastic chain is, we enroll everyone, we bring in the standards, the safety, do all we can to prevent child labor, really bring in this incentive for everyone to change behavior. So when there's this incentive to now bring in transparency where there was none, bring in the ethical social nature where we can pay people above market rate for collecting, we provide insurance, other life improving benefits, and really at the heart where we were really encouraged to, how do you change this perception that waste is dirty, that it's scavenging waste picking to, you know, entrepreneurial pride. And this yeah. is really when we look at this gig economy of entrepreneurship, there's a way for everyone to contribute and really play a part in stopping ocean plastic and bring social recycling to life. There's so many things I want to unpick about what you just said. Uh, I don't even know where to start, but I, I guess I want to start with the last point that you made around kind of changing the perception of you know from being you know um waste pickers to being entrepreneurial almost resource miners in a way i suppose uh you know and the purpose of this little series that we're doing right now is really around reframing the way businesses think about waste uh and turning that back into a resource and so what you've just said hits the very heart of what this whole little podcast series is about as well which is which is really very important but have you seen then you know, based on what you just said around the culture change around, you know, filtering through, you know, beaches and, and cleanups. Or have you seen a culture change on the ground where where your people are actually collecting from being, oh, you're, you're a scavenger to to you're a you're a resource collector? Yeah, it really is a core part of our business, especially when you're in an area for the first time. You know, we also try to uplift what's there compared to coming in and competing. So often there's things, uh, you know, different areas where you know, the community like, really shuns upon anyone who touches waste for a living. But where we start to change the paradigm, where we come in, you know, we bring in uniform safety gear, you know, really bringing this clean, safe atmosphere of recycling. But we even go to the schools, the churches, the community areas, and really get them to see the value in that if you bring your plastic even into your school, it can help pay for the school, you know, pay for the school supplies. Now, all of a sudden, anyone who starts participating in recycling, they're now seeing everyone else participating with value. So when we start to change the stigma that everyone recycles, you know, you don't look down on anyone who becomes entrepreneurial around it. Yeah. And it really is this process of dignifying, bringing in stability, bringing in real incomes, health insurance, things that, you know, really become this, you know, a, a job, a career, a gig economy. And for us, we really look at, we don't want recycling to be the end point. 
We want it to be the starting point to anyone's entrepreneurial journey that they could recycle their way to fund a business, fund a way to a better life, provide for their family, and really ensure that it's never a poverty trap. It's always a path and a way to just improve lives. And this is also where we invite the broader community when they participate, they don't need to be a full-time recycler. They're a household that proudly recycles their material to make the best impact they can. You're kind of enabling technology at a really core level to change culture, to change society, not just, you know, yeah, what you do is collect plastic and and put it back into the into the supply chain so it doesn't end up in the ocean. But at, at a deeper level than that, you guys are fundamentally influencing society, which I think is absolutely amazing. Uh, what an incredible, powerful journey the brand is on. But talking of technology, I have to get my geek on for a minute because as I understand it, it's kind of blockchain supported uh, and it's called alchemy, I think. Is, is that right? And is that is alchemy the thing that is connecting up the transparency between the the person who has their wallet and then ultimately the pound of plastic that they collect that gets that gets put back into supply chain? Is that is that how it all works? Exactly. So we have this proprietary platform that really powers everything we do. You know, our traceability, our order management, our reward program, our reporting. And what very uniquely people interact with it differently, where we have an application that a collector has, that a branch has, that a processor have, every transaction recorded as it happens. And this brings in this layer of traceability. And what's very unique is even when we started, you know, there's just such this distrust of companies saying they're doing good, companies saying that mm -hmm. they're helping people. And one of our partners really put it that we needed to be attack proof, that if they were ever going to say we made this impact, how do we become attack proof? And this mm. really became my obsession. You know, I call it audit ready traceability of in real time. We need to be able to show you exactly when it happened, who is impacted, how much they had. And this really became this when we wanted to look at, you know, how do we bring this layer of trust? We really wanted to look at how do we ensure that, you know, you can put millions of dollars into vulnerable communities and have it go to the right people, you know, have it impossible that someone could skim, someone could take. And this is where we found a partnership with IBM to really help kind of scout, you know, what's the most trusted technology we could have. We found a partner that we work with to develop that technology. And with blockchain, it really for us becomes this immutable le ledger of trust. When we have everything recorded in a blockchain ledger with immutable trust connected to the entire broader you know, platform that we have, mm. this now gives us control for just complete visibility end to end every step of the way, but also a guaranteed payment directly to the participants that when some of our clients, you know, we, do, we call them impact programs, which is our plastic offsetting programs that if they're not using the plastic, they can still offset that footprint. But again, it's not a theoretical offset. They fund the bonus that the collector gets with a complete record of every single transaction that their funds went into the hands of this person. And then those kilos that were recycled with this social additionality, uniquely owned by this you know, funder of impact. So we have a special no double impact system with full traceable collections end to end. If it went on a shipment of social plastic, that claim goes to that company. If someone's offsetting their footprint, you know, the rest of the plastic goes to that offset, impacting someone's life, proof of recycling. But where you own that audit trail of trust that any claim is audit ready in any like any day in real time. What an absolutely brilliant use of blockchain tech. 
and very timely here potentially in australia because uh you know trust traceability transparency these are all words that are rapidly coming up i think we're a bit behind here in australia uh certainly we're behind the europe uh in terms of um transparency and and um crackdowns on greenwashing and false claims and all the rest of it the ACCC here which is our sort of consumer protection agency is very hot on this at the moment and they're gearing up to i suppose the right word is clamp down on on false claims and so what you've just demonstrated is a degree to which brands of all sizes can work with you without having to get the the fear of god in them that maybe they're making false claims about the plastic that they are collecting because you've got the full audit trail and the full transparency level that they can just go here you go there you go you, you know you you doubted that i collected a million bottles worth of plastic well there you go there's the, there's the proof um which is absolutely brilliant it's it's certainly great and you said something else there which i just i just love which is this notion of being plastic neutral so even if you're not if whether you're using it or not using it you can you can essentially have a plastic offset and which is i guess in theory a little bit like being carbon neutral but can you talk to us a little bit about what you what what that means to you and and how you think people could use that concept yeah what we found there's a lot of businesses that you know maybe even buying the plastic shipping it to a location isn't the best thing maybe they don't use plastic mm. but there's a lot of businesses that and even when i say plastic neutral it, for us it always means extracting more than you use there's right. always an argument of an exact offset <laughs> but when we can help someone always extract more plastic regenerating these economies you know even for myself more importantly the social value of improving people's lives building this self-sustaining gig economy ecosystem of really having that they can give more than they're taking. So for us it's not really the minimum of just offset, you know, buy a credit to offset check a box. It's really the impact of that credit in addition to that amount that they're impacting has the social impact, the lives improves, the financial yeah. inclusion. And for us it's really important that it's social recycling because sometimes even offsetting can be looked at, you know, it's just one in one out like what yeah. changed for yeah. us it's the entire social regeneration that comes with that matching contribution that re really makes it unique charles just jumping in here again with a quick aside no matter where you are in your journey to grow your brand for a healthier planet there's one area of impact that all e-commerce brands share and that's shipment packaging it's imperative that the customer's order arrives in perfect condition you already know that if your stuff arrives damaged that's a bad user experience it ends up in profit sucking refunds or replacements and the damaged items will likely end up in landfill but how much thought have you given to the fact that your shipment packaging is actually usually a highly overlooked part of the overall customer experience? In many cases, it will be the very first physical interaction someone has with your brand. With sustainability, the war on waste, and the single-use plastic problem being front of mind for almost all consumers now, the last thing you want is for that first impression of your brand to be dominated by frustration with how your products are packaged. That's why I'm so excited to be partnering with our friends at Heaps Good Packaging on the show. They provide a range of very cost-effective, eco-friendly, compostable shipment packaging from simple mailers through fillers, tapes, labels, and post-pack boxes. 
And with that all-important first impression in mind, they can also help you with custom printed packaging as well to really elevate your brand experience. Head over to heapsgoodpackaging.com.au and use code PACKLIKEABOSS to get 10% off site-wide. Okay, back to today's discussion. Fundamentally, what you're saying is that this ultimately is about the bigger picture of let's just get together, stop plastic going in the ocean in the first place and provide income streams to these communities who are clearly adversely affected by the problem that, the that you know, I suppose uh, direct-to-consumer brands have, have created over the years. Yeah, it's really this, you know, really connection what we're finding again. You know, we're not saying that all plastic is bad. There is incredibly great intelligent uses. There's some yeah. bad uses. But, you know, when it's appropriate to use it, how could we make it the most impactful way you could use it? Again, as a consumer, it makes sense that a lot of the products that you do buy, economically shipping it, that they do come, you know, in a recyclable plastic container. But we're finding a lot of the consumer, you know, if you have to purchase a plastic product, I would rather purchase the one that authentically makes the best impact on the planet. You know, and this is really where you provide that choice that the consumer can vote with their money, their, their wallet, the company can make these changes. And, and you know, what's actually been almost probably one of the most inspiring, unique things I never thought getting into this, like we've had the freedom to say no to a lot of companies. Yeah, we've had yeah. companies asking for marketing campaigns, what's the cheapest we can slap ocean plastic on a bottle. And we get to say no, like if we're not authentically driving community change, driving sustainable value, it's not of interest. Mm. But what we found in a lot of our partners, one of the initial feedback where, where, you know, our partners who love us, we go deep into their company, you know, employee engagement, getting everyone involved. And we've had partners that just say, you know, one of the reasons we want to do it even isn't for that label on the shelf. It's so their staff knows they're doing something right, something authentic. You know, the new executives of the world are quite purpose minded. And it's not just about the millennial consumer. Often a business itself is losing key talent to go work for purpose. And when they can bring purpose into their daily life, the business as usual, you know, this is really where our great partnerships are of how do we just bring purpose to your business? And, you know, we have options. (laughs) I hadn't even considered that in the sense that what your because your technology then you know, provides such transparency that that's something that you can market internally within a brand to say, this is incredible. And so you mentioned, though, that you have kind of like a a, a sort of deep in- engagement program within the brands. I'm assuming these are sort of bigger, bigger brands and bigger businesses. How does that work? What are the steps that you go through to engage people within the partner brands that you work with? Yeah, a lot of it is really just when the entire company becomes aware of the unique social impact that they own. You know, it's not just to put money here and, you know, research was done or put money here and some kids were impacted. We're really able to drive home that here's the community. Here is the stories. You know, here is the unique stories of impact that you own. And when a company can share that internally, you know, in, in where our ethos really is, when it's fully traceable, not just on the plastic side, but the social impact side that this, you know, 5,332 people in these exact areas, like with this beautiful story, we're all, you know, it's real. And I think there's such a drive in the world for real impact, not wishful impact. And we hear the term wish cycling, but I think on the social impact, the same goes, you put money somewhere and hope something good. We really drive to how, like even our future roadmap is the consumer, the everyday person 
we can personalize the impact with authentic tracing it back to exactly what contribution you just did, but really making it real in a way that it can't be fake with the authenticity, the traceability, everything. And, you know, it's really at the core. We, we want to make it safe for companies to celebrate doing good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned, you know, the sort of like a really low level granular, if you want to call it that way, visibility of, of the impact that's being generated. How does that get surfaced up? to people that are on the the giving side of this, so whether they're brands or individuals or whoever they are, how does the downstream impact of what they've done, how does that get surfaced up back to them? Yeah, so part of our technology offering is often are also the reporting tools. So all of our partners, whether they're buying the plastic, whether they're offsetting the plastic, or just purchasing social impact programs, which we also have, um, all of this, they get the full reporting tools of the audit trail of every transaction, when it happened with unique claims, they get a digital you know, interactive map where they can see exactly where every location is. So we really provide them with the real-time data of everything. We have different storytelling tools where you know, our team's able to capture these video stories, photo stories of these community impacts as they're done able to empower our clients. So we have a product that we call Storybook where they get the full imagery, the video, you know, all the tools that they can do to internally, externally, you know, celebrate. And, you know, we continue to evolve that sometimes the more we build these tools for our biggest clients are now available for the smaller clients and soon available for the everyday person that if yeah. I have set the yeah. footprint of my home, I'll be able to provide that traceability of exactly what that contribution did. And we just keep looking at how do we make it real but not just a data-driven thing, which is there, but the real emotional side of being able to celebrate real-life stories of people being impacted. That level of uh, visibility is groundbreaking, but it's also, I think, the next wave of what we're going to need to see with all impact organizations to prove that something's actually happening. And so you're ahead of the curve for sure. Yeah, and honestly, what, what I'm predicting and I'm seeing and we're really planning towards is I think it's all a matter of time till it's a regulatory requirement Yeah, that you have to have full traceability. And once that's a requirement, that becomes the lowest, you know, bar to the play. Bar. Yeah. If you're going to do something, you have to have a proof of a social impact. And, you know, even from the consumer side, we're getting to this AI point that you can ask, Hey, what's better this or that. And when there's an authentic answer, a way to verify what's more trustworthy, what's had this impact, you know, this is the real consumer empowerment movement of responsible consumerism. Yeah. I think we're getting close to the phone place that your phone will tell you exactly what these impacts. And again, if something's untraceable, you have to assume it's nothing. Yeah, brilliant insight. And, and I couldn't agree more. And talking of traceability, one of the things that we talk about uh, here at Sustainable Ecom is the positioning of impact from a customer point of view. And what I mean by that is, the old model of sort of business philanthropy was always, you know, some sort of carve out of profits, at, you know, the, the out of the bottom line. It was, you know, well, we've made X profit this year and we're donating 20% of that, 10% of that, 1% of that, whatever it might be to these organizations to support that. And that makes us feel good. And that's great. But I think consumers have a, a jaded view of that approach. And I think the newer models that we're seeing where the impact is delivered with every customer order specifically so that we're reframing the whole messaging to not the brand that's having the impact, but the customer that's having the impact through the choice they've made and the brand has, has facilitated that is a much more powerful model. Um, do you see, 
or do you already have tools in your with, with the degree of which you guys can can granularly attach impact to different brands and different businesses do you see a connection between uh, consumer level purchasing or orders or even items that they purchase on a store and the impact that they can have are you able to make that connection yet yeah no that's exactly it so even uh, we have it on the company level right now by early next year really the consumer level of being able to look at a product scan a product and know exactly the impact of this product right. so there's a company impact there's a product impact uh, and really, again, it's that combination for us. Most of our orders aren't just a plastic order, a plastic offset. You know, it's your 100,000 kgs impacted these 430 people, paid for a thousand insurance programs, three phones and this and all of it with here's the proof. And all of it's got to, again, be real time auditable. We really actually internally even we don't allow anyone to say something <laughs> that's not 100% audit ready at all times. Otherwise, we don't say it. So yeah. even when we pilot, we usually keep pilots quiet. <laughs> Once we bring in the full traceability, now we can celebrate exactly what we can prove. And so do you have plugins from an e-commerce point of view now, uh, uh, very specifically, do you have plugins with the major uh, e-commerce platforms to either one way or both ways to be able to either inject funds into the fund or take transparency data out of it uh, that, that they can surface up to their customers? Yeah, it's something we're actually just starting to do and really starting by request to start. Uh, we had the rock band passenger have it where every CD sale that they had contributed to, I think, a kilo of plastic being removed from the environment. Mm. And yeah, it, it's really something we're just starting. So any brand that wants that e-commerce connection, we have an API enablement tool that we can work with. And okay. yeah, really just starting that as a product stream. From the angle that I'm seeing, that would be an incredibly powerful thing to have. And I think you would I think you'd get a flood of econ brands wanting to work with you because you know you've you've got the base level of transparency. But then if they could then make if you then make that easy for them to surface that up to their customer and help them tell the story and help them educate their customers as well on the benefits of doing this, that would be incredibly powerful because it, it you know, rather than just being a nice source for good, it actually becomes an education tool. Um, you know, and, and you guys are all about education as well, you know, evidently. And so I, I think what you're doing there is multiplying your footprint from an education point of view, if you could do that. So that would be incredible. So so let's just lay out the different programs that businesses can be part of with you, because you have the social plastic feedstock where brands can actually source the plastic they need from you. Then you have the, the impact programs with plastic credits. And just looking at your site, your impact programs have already enabled over 78 to 80 million kilos of plastic from entering the ocean. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we call them impact programs. And so really, it is our offset or plastic credit. But in impact programs where some companies are trying to be, you know, plastic neutral or net positive, some companies are really just looking at how could we stop, you know, 10 billion bottles from entering the ocean. So this can be more of a milestone progressive amount. Some companies have where every product they sell will enable, you know, 100 bottles from not going into the ocean. So different ways. And then we're also really just started doing social benefit programs as well. So you can almost think of it like social credits where, you know, we have some companies, um, you know, some financial institutions that have been looking at, you know, every time we sell a financial product, how could we have this social impact come in live, enlivened with, in some programs, we've done tablets going to school families so they can bring the education home, insurance, and, you know, this combination of what type of usually kind of how can we help someone meet their ESG goals or the SDG enablement, again, with proof auditability, 
that genuine, reportable, verified impact happened. And this kind of becomes this double network where we have this collection network of gig economy entrepreneurs trying to stop ocean plastic playing different roles. And these social benefits that drive all this behavior change really can be a great outlet of rewarding people who pay with plastic and get access to these life-improving benefits. What's next for Plastic Bank? I don't know if you can share too much because you just said quite explicitly that you don't talk about things that you, until they're verified, but just broad brushstrokes. Where do you see Plastic Bank going over the next, say, you know, the next, say, five years? You're 10 years old. Where, what's the next half, half a decade look like? Yeah, really, a lot of what we're looking at is how do we expand, you know, not just to be isolated in our collection communities, but really enable everyone to be, you know, us to be a conduit for everyone to participate. How might every household know exactly the most purposeful thing they could do with their plastic and recyclable materials? So really enabling, you know, all workforces, all communities to play this part, really having, you know, continuously looking as you know, we really are a fintech company with fintech services to, you know, our communities, but really expanding, you know, again, how could every household just pay with plastic, deposit your plastic, get this meaningful value and connecting those dots. And we continue to look and, you know, on the nerdy side of we really are a social compliance company, a tra traceability compliance company of how could we set the standard that, you know, traceability should both be material social impact but really enable all you know partners all companies to participate in this and you know open up even our technology that others can use and participate and just expand the impact of who really plays a part yeah because i mean fundamentally you've built a, a an amazing technology transparency engine with all that that could be used for any other kind of impact i guess by other brands or other organizations that want to enable the same kind of transparency if you if you were going to license it i guess you could do you could go that way no, that's exactly it. And again, it's how, how do we how do we enable the most people in the world to play a part? And some of that's us getting out of the way yeah. and enabling the enablers to play a part. So, yeah. you know, all, all the fun way of just how do we really create this movement of people actually making an impact in a provable way? Yeah, S super big picture thinking. Absolutely love it. So what regions do you operate in right now from a collection point of view? And what regions uh, do you operate in from a brand's enga brand engagement point of view? Yeah, from a collection point of view, we're currently in Brazil, Egypt, Cameroon, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand. Uh, and, you know, we continue to look at these regions that really are a lot of the sources of where ocean plastic comes from. Mm. You know, as we continue to expand programs, uh, digitize a lot of things, we'll really always continue to expand there, but look at how we can play a part in other parts of the world where we do have, you know, school programs, collection community programs. And then on the, you know, brand side, you know, we really have some great European customers. We have some great American customers, but most are all global distribution of their products. So, you know, a consumer really can play a giant part anywhere. Uh, Europe, we have a ton of shelf space and different products. And yeah, yeah, we continue to have these global enterprises, but also, you know, in the regions we operate, looking at where can we locally find people that can have the shortest uh, footprint, really, from the materials as well. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm based down here in Australia. Can you work with brands from Australia, New Zealand, and this part of the world, or is that is that something that'll be hard for you guys? Yeah, I mean, brands can really be anywhere. The obvious, and eventually, we're looking at how might the Australian household also be completely empowered to participate. But yeah, our brand partners really are global and really just the ones that have that, you know, need 
for a large volume of traceable material is where the yeah. eco- or economical sense is there that they, they really can make an impact with that purchase power. Yeah. So is there a sort of a size of brand that you can or can't work with? I mean, could you work with a small startup that's just getting going so they can have impact from day one? Or do you need a certain scale to make that all work? Yeah, usually kind of the authenticity, especially so one with our impact programs, any program or any company of any size, even a dentist office with a, you know, a team of five can be a plastic neutral workforce or have an impact. Uh, but when it comes to the material, you just get some cases that one off shipping of a 20 ton container doesn't always make sense. So, yeah. you know, even if someone wanted to, if it doesn't make sense for the environment, if it doesn't make economic sense, there's other ways to make an impact. Uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure what that kind of cutoff number is, but really it's, you know, once the material volume is large enough to use that material in your products, it mm. makes total sense. But again, this is where our impact, our social impact, the recycling impact programs, there, there are other ways to play a part that really becomes the win-win for the world. Do you have like centralized recycling facilities that you ship all this plastic to? Or I mean, because you're collecting from all different parts of the world. You mentioned about a dozen there that you're collecting from. Where does where does all that go to get back into, this, into the supply chain? Yeah, and it really depends. Different brands always have manufacturing in different areas. And yeah. what we found is, you know, even a couple of years ago when a lot of companies started to really get on board with, you know, if it's, if it's got to be plastic, it's got to be recycled plastic. The world kind of overpromised by almost 10 times. Yeah. Uh, you know, if all the companies that said we will use our re- only recycled plastic by 2025, the promises were 10 times bigger than the market capacity. So a lot of what we do is help our partners really get a guaranteed access to capacity of plastic that yes, it's recycled. Yes, it comes from ocean bound areas, but again, full traceability on where it came from, full social impact traceability that again, if you have to use a plastic, it really should be a social plastic. But again, really also solving that pain point to just have access to enough plastic that you can consistently use it to have even the promise of recycled with all the other benefits. Yeah. And I suppose a a kind of a pointy question, because you mentioned the economic viability of that with with small volumes. I mean, one of the challenges that we have, certainly here in Australia, quite frankly, is in the supply chain, because even though there's plenty of plastic sort of ending up in, in the collection facilities, there's not enough demand to use it all because the economics aren't there. It's not viable. So most brands still end up using virgin plastic instead of recycled plastic. Have you got to a scale now where it's it's on parity or is it still more expensive, but people choose to do it for the, for the story elements because it's the right thing to do? Or, or have you, in fact, now made it cheaper? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things where the world's changing and pretty soon there's going to be, let's call it plastic taxes to even the scales on that parity where, you know, one of the problems the world was having when a virgin plastic's cheaper than recycled without traceability, some recyclers sell virgin plastic labeled as recycled plastic. And this is also where a lot of the plastic taxes are coming in that leveling that playing field that recycled really should be the best way of using it. So sometimes it really depends where it's coming from. But I'm also seeing the world has realized it's not healthy when virgin is the cheapest, easiest thing to do. And virgin plastic being new plastic. uh, This is something I think the world's a little bit self-correcting with the governments and regulatory bodies that that can't be the the easiest way to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're starting to see that come in, aren't we? The re- legislation from different parts of the world, you know, the the recent treaties and bits and pieces on ocean plastic are, are definitely helping us move in the right direction with all that. So that's great. So, so Sean, where do people 
start to get involved with you guys? Where do brands go and, and what does the process of onboarding actually look like? Yes, really, anyone can go to plasticbank.com and we really have different paths to become an ocean steward for the individual, the small business, the large. And yeah, we have different ways that people can make an impact right away, calculate their footprint and really just explore the different offerings. And you know, over time, we really hope to be a purpose guide to ocean stewards and purpose champions. And plasticbank.com is really the starting point. Uh, for many brands, if they're, if they're just sort of sponsoring the offsets rather than consuming the plastic themselves, is it kind of like a, a click, click, click process and you sign up and you get involved or is there some consultation that's required? Yeah, it really depends on kind of the size and granularity. So there are ways to get started right, or right away with smaller impacts, larger impact. Really, our team helps find the most impactful way to really get that best, you know, high impact brand story that really fits that brand goal. So we have a whole team that can help facilitate that best way to make the impact that they're looking for and really just make it as easy as possible to do good with doing business. Absolutely amazing. Sean, you've, you've totally blown my mind today. I love what you guys are doing. It's so powerful. And obviously the transparency thing there is is incredible. So congratulations on what you guys have built over the last decade. And and uh, I'm certainly going to be shouting about uh, Plastic Bank to anybody that wants to listen down here, because I think it's absolutely brilliant what you do. So thanks for coming on the show. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Back to Giles again for my top takeouts and such a lot to summarize there. But let's start by looking at ways that you can work with Plastic Bank, because in looking back at the interview, I'm not sure the options were super clear. So here goes. As a small brand, you can get set up in just a few clicks with what they call an official supporter collaboration. You can work on monthly, annual or even one-time contributions and donation amounts as small as 110 US per month or 550 for annual and one-time support. And there's a great little impact calculator on their site, which you can find at plasticbank.com slash supporter hyphen partnership. And so for $110 minimum, you can help avert 10,000 bottles and impact 11 families, all fully traceable through their alchemy system. As a bigger brand, then, you can partner with them to get a committed source of averted plastic under their social plastic feedstock program or get involved with their impact programs. And just like becoming carbon neutral, help move your brand towards being plastic neutral. If that sounds like your track, you can arrange to talk to one of their partner experts who will help you calculate your existing footprint and then work with you to design a program that best meets your needs. No matter which track you take, everything is fully traceable using their underlying blockchain technology, which means you know exactly what your contributions achieved, who collected it, where it was collected from, and where that plastic went. And as Sean pointed out, regulation around transparency of impact claims is coming. And apart from anything else, their tracking allows you to support active transparency communications that you have in place. For me, the way that the plastic bag team is reframing waste as a resource and reframing the plastic pollution and waste problem as an entrepreneurial opportunity for the people in coastal communities affected by it is a huge milestone on our journey globally to reduce and rethink the linear economy. So I'd like to thank Sean again for sharing insights on the incredible work Plastic Bank's doing and on how your brand can partner with them. And of course, I also want to thank my sponsors, Heaps Good Packaging, for helping me to make this podcast sustainable too. I'll be back again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.